0: Welcome to the BC Podcast, featuring a weekly message from Believers Church in Warren, Ohio. For more information, visit www.believers.cc. All right. Good morning. Happy New Year to everybody. So excited to see all these great faces here with us. And if you're new here, my name is Joe. Like I said, I get to work with all of our teams to make the vision of BC happen. And I'm so excited about this series that we're in called Holiday Hangover, and uh, anybody that was here last week, I heard Pastor Graham like brought down the house. Did he do an incredible job or what? Can we give it up for him? I love that when Pastor Joe's not here, man, that you're left in good hands, and uh, we're going to continue right on with where we left off, and you know, It kind of the way the calendar year falls, every year I typically get the New Year's message, which is fun and I like it. Uh, But one of the things that's so sobering about that is usually around December when I start preparing, I start to think back to last New Year and I start to think about all the things that I resolved I was going to change in my life and some of the things that God asked me to do. And sometimes I compare my life now to what it was maybe in January or February and I can't believe it, but I've kind of regressed a little bit or for sure haven't gained any ground. And if you're anything like me, that can be kind of the constant frustration of New Year's. And there are other areas where I gained some ground, but I, I was just thinking to myself, man, I would love for this to be a year where I really grew. Like, like I could measurably see that there was some growth in my life in some of these areas that God was working on me with. And, you know, here's the super spiritual prayer that I pray every year. You might find yourself in the same boat. I, I pray these prayers like, God, I want to go deeper. You ever pray that before? Nothing wrong with it. God, take me deeper. God, I want to read more of your word this year. I want to sing more to you. I want to worship more. I want to know more of the Bible, and I love what Mark Batterson says. He tells us that he is convinced that most Christians are educated far beyond their level of obedience anyways. In other words, we don't need to know more. God's actually telling us we need to do more, and so I feel like God put a very specific message on my heart for the new year. I'm going to call this message today, Nike New Year. And uh, I'll unpack what that means in just a moment. But I I was just thinking about this story. My my cute little daughter, Riley, is three and a half years old. Probably about a year and a half ago, she started to eat solid food like any young child would. And we'll put a picture up there for you. Riley's so cute. We call her Smiley Riley, and she's a a fun time, a party waiting to happen. And right around the time that she was, you know, getting big enough to eat some solid food, she was so excited because she got to pull up next to the big table in her high chair, and she would take her chubby little fists and she would pound them on her little high chair, and she was just so excited, and then we'd give her real big people food. Because, you know, the baby food is horrible. I mean, that's just disgusting. That's inhumane what we feed these babies, and it's just pureed spinach and cauliflower and whatever you can imagine that they can blend in a blender, they put it, in that little jar for the baby uh, to enjoy, and you know, the best that really you get is like prunes, come on, that's just wrong, and so finally you get to pull up to the big table, and she's got big people food, and, and it was funny, because of course, her first words as a daddy's girl was dada, right, that was her first word, but, but shortly after that, on the heels of that, like most kids, she started to say, I want more, it was just natural, she would say that for everything, but especially at dinner time, and After a few months, the excitement started to wear off, and she started to be a little bit discontented with what was on her plate. And she would look at her plate, and she'd be eating for more than 30 seconds, and all of a sudden, she'd say, I want more. And she'd kind of emphatically put her little chubby fists on the high chair, and she'd say, I want more, da-da. And here's the weird part. I'd say, but Riley, there's still food on your plate. And she would say, I want more. And so we'd have to kind of negotiate with her and say, like, well, listen, you can't have more until, like, you eat this right here. And then sometimes she'd switch over to this. She'd say, I want that. And she'd point to her brother's plate, and we'd say, Riley, it's the same food. And she'd say, I want that. And it sounds so ridiculous, and it's kind of cute with her. uh, But I was just thinking this is what God was showing me in my life. I think sometimes we do the same exact thing with God God's given us something to do right in front of us something to eat on our plate and we start asking God for more God I need more I need deeper take me deeper and you know what God's saying do what's right in front of you first and then I can put more on your plate and I don't know about you but sometimes I'll even find I'm guilty this I'll find myself saying well I want that I want what's on my brother's plate we can become discontented with what God has called us to do And here's the reality. God is saying, I'd love for you to do that. I'd love for you to to do greater and bigger things for my kingdom, but I can't give you the great big stuff until you can eat the little bitty pieces that I put right in front of you. And I'm just wondering what could happen with a church that got a hold of that and said, you know what? This year, I'm going to have a Nike New Year. In my life, I'm just going to do it. And I love this time of year because like, if you're like me, last year I started working out for probably for the first time in 10 years, like on a consistent basis. And I was, you know how you go to the gym all year and nobody's there, and then like the first few weeks of January there's like 3,000 people in the gym. And I love it because you can always tell the newbies because like they've got on the whole get up, you know what I'm saying? Like. They're just doing it all the way. Like, they've got the spandex jumpsuit on, and they've got the kicks on, and they've got the sweatband on, and they've got their music in. They're just like, it's rocky, and they're just ready to go. And, but here's, uh, here's what I love about Nike. Uh, if you're just going to do it, they want you to just do it every day, all day, all year. They want it to become a lifestyle. And I think that's what God is requiring of all of us. What would it look like if you and I just did it this year? How much could change? What could God do with us giving him that to work with? You know, I was thinking about it in marriage. When when you stand on the altar and you look at your significant other, the spouse that you're going to spend the rest of your life with. My wife and I just celebrated our seventh anniversary, anniversary, which is pretty crazy. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. I stood on this very stage and I meant every word I said. And what do you say? You, You say things like, well, till death do us part in sickness and in health, and then how do you seal your vows? You say, I do. There's something about marriage and commitment that is a daily decision to do what you are committing to do. Did you know that we're the bride of Christ? And we are called to daily say I do to our savior, to daily recommit to Jesus and say, I will follow you with everything that I have. Now, what does this all boil down to? It's this word called obedience. I think it's so helpful to know the benefits of obedience because it's great to obey God just because, because he's God and if he wants me to do something, God has the power uh, of life and death in his hands, so it's probably a good idea to do it, but I like to go a little bit further than that to the heart of the issue and I love what Isaiah 119 says. It says, the willing and the obedient will eat the good things of the land. Did you know that God has good things in store for you, but it's all contingent on your willingness and your obedience? And I love that it's not just your obedience, it's not just the fact that you do it, but it's also the fact that you do it with a willing heart. In other words, it's not just about your actions, it's about your attitude also. Now, I love love this scripture because it really helps us to make sure we don't fall into some of the common ditches that I think are very easy to fall into, especially in a new year. Hebrews 12.5 is talking about how we can see God's discipline as actually something that's beneficial to our lives. I love that we can be a part of a church family because here's what the house of God is great for. In the house of God, there's direction. God wants to show us where to go, and the word of God is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path, so it shows us which direction God's asking us to go. It's also a place of protection. You know, naturally speaking, it doesn't rain under the roof of a house, right? There's just some things that you're protected from. Uh, The wolves can't get in. The things that are dangerous outside can't penetrate the walls of a house. There's protection. But, but, if he's really our father and we're really his sons and his daughters, there's also this other nasty word, correction. There's these moments where God wants to help instruct us and correct us. And Hebrews 12.5 is talking about just that. It says, my son, my daughter, if you will, Do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Now, these jumped off the page to me as two extremes or two ditches on either side of the road. Uh, Some people, and this could be me probably, most of the time I have a tendency to do this, we can make light of the Lord's discipline. We can just kind of shrug it off and say, you know what, I don't need that advice, Dad. I don't need to do what you're telling me to do, how you're telling me to do it. I'm going to do it my way. But then there's some of us that have a super guilty personality and it's like really easy when someone corrects you to take that very personal and you think it's the end of the world and you feel like I've failed with my New Year's resolution and I've failed with serving God. And Joe, honestly, this is the first time I've been back to service since 2014 in January. And you're like, man, I'm ready to give up. Give me something to keep me going. And I love that God also says, don't lose heart when he rebukes you. Now here's the why. Verse six, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. In other words, the defining characteristic of being a son or a daughter of God is that he actually gives you correction and discipline. But here's the cool part, verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, can I get an amen, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I brought another picture. This is a picture of my boy. This is a couple years ago in the fall. This is Joey. He's five and a half years old now. He's an awesome kid. He's really obedient. He loves listening to me most of the time. And, uh, you know, one of the things that he loves to do is play outside. And we we live on a neighborhood that's really not that busy. There's not a lot of traffic through the neighborhood. So we can play in the front yard if we're there. And uh, this one day, he got this rocking horse. He's a little bit too big for it, but he was just kind of scooting, you know, across the driveway, and he just thought it was so cool, and he was going kind of fast, and ev- every so often, I would noticed he'd inch a little bit closer to the road, and so being a dad and wanting to make sure that I keep my son safe and alive on my watch so my wife doesn't kill me, I devised a plan. There's an umbrella right there that you can see, and I think this is kind of Ironic because I'm always looking for illustrations in my messages and whether I did this subconsciously or not. I used an umbrella. We'll call that the umbrella of my protection as a father. And I told Joey, you can have all the fun you want within these parameters. And I marked out this space and it was a big space. Plenty of space to have fun. I said, just don't go past this umbrella. Now I want to take you to the next page. I think this is funny because human nature, there's something about it that says... I'm going to tow the line. I mean, I'm going to get as close as I possibly can to where dad told me not to go. And this is me getting a nice picture. He's not real happy right now because I'm correcting him on the other end. But I thought, let me document this because this would be a great sermon illustration. But I love it. If you can tell his hand's like right here, he's like just ready to stretch out his hand over that line. But can I tell you something? As frustrating as that was for him, as much as it felt like I was limiting him and holding him back from having a good time, Why did I do that as a father? It's because I have good intentions for my son. I have good plans for him. And I want to make sure that he has a hope and a future. And and I don't ever want him to discover what's on the other side of that line. And sometimes I think as Christians, we we kind of get this in our mind that, yeah, I want to be obedient to God, but I'm going to get as close to the edge as I possibly can. And you know what I think God wants all of us to do? If we really have a willing, obedient heart, he's saying, no, it's not how close you can get to the edge. It's how close you can get to the father. It's how close you can get to God. When we sing, I want to be close to you, that's got to be our prayer and our desire. We have to realize that God has great plans and great intentions for us. He's not trying to steal anything from us or box us in, but actually within the umbrella of his obedience, obedience to him, there's protection and safety. There's this peace that comes over our life. So here's what I want to do. Just for the next few minutes, I, I want to talk about three ways that we can obey God. Three ways to do it in the new year if we want to have a Nike New Year. Here's the first way. You ready? God wants us to do it right away. Now, there's an amazing song that is like the soundtrack of my parenthood. Aaron and I discovered this song a few years ago. We use it as often as we can. It's called, appropriately, I Obey Right Away. And uh, whoever wrote this song, I-, I owe them the rest of my life in gratitude because this is an amazing song. And here are the words I obey because I love my mom and dad. I obey because, well, how, how does it go? I obey because I love my mom and dad. Okay, I'm getting it right. I've listened to it 8,000 times, but I obey because I love my mom and dad. And then I obey because the Bible tells me to. And I love this. And then it says, I obey right away. So good. And uh, parents, you can thank me for this later. I'll, th- I'll give you the link. It'll be a great tool in your arsenal, and uh, I think this is so helpful, and so this is kind of the mantra of our house, but here's what I've noticed. In my life, obeying right away, not so easy, because if you're anything like me, I tend to bargain with God. I tend to say, God, I'd love to obey you today, but here's the deal. I've got some reasons why it won't work right now-ish, but when this happens, and when this comes through, and when I have this situation, I promise God, I'll obey you right away then. (laughs) And we can just get into this this kind of habit of obeying God, delaying our obedience. Can I make a statement to you? Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. God wants us to obey him right away. And, you know, I think sometimes we, we get these ideas in our mind that if I keep doing things the way I've done them year after year, decade after decade, that one day magically I'll have a different outcome. And I've done this in my life a thousand times. It's like, I know God is putting something on the plate right in front of me, and I've convinced God that that's not the way that I need to do it. And if I did it my way, then I promise you, God, everything's going to work out. But let me just ask you this. The Bible says that if we're faithful and little, God will make us ruler over much. Like, in other words, there's almost like this tiny test that God wants us to pass. And if we don't pass the test, we'll never get past it. Let me just ask you this. If I can't surrender my finances to God and obey him right away with $15,000 in my salary this year, what makes me think God is going to trust me to honor him with 60? If, if as a single adult, if I live in a studio apartment with one bedroom and I haven't cleaned it once and I don't take care of something that doesn't belong to me, what makes me think God will ever trust me with a five-bedroom house? Sometimes I think we just get convinced that one day it will magically change. If, if God can't trust us with what we have now, God can't trust us with what he has later. And everything that we do today is connected with what we're going to do tomorrow. That's the way that it works. Now, saying, God, I'll obey you later is kind of like saying, you know what? I'm not going to practice in the minor leagues, but when I make it to the major leagues, I'll start practicing then. Can you imagine that, that conversation with your coach? Hey coach, yeah, 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 I'm really excited about this season. Just wanted to tell you something. Just wanted to let you know that I'm, I'm totally pumped about being the starting pitcher. I really feel like I've got some new juice on my fastball this year. I've got some new tricks up my sleeve. And, uh, but I just wanted to let you know I won't be practicing this season. But when I make it to the majors, I'm totally going to give it everything that I've got. How many coaches in the world would let you last longer than 10 seconds on that team? But isn't that what we do with God sometimes? God wants us to obey right away. And I was thinking about this dilemma that I faced in my life. Um, I don't know about you, but I have zero patience when it comes to waiting at red lights. Like, I just don't enjoy it. And I'm the guy that when it's yellow about to turn red, I'm accelerating through the intersection. And God's working on me with that. I'm sorry. But I remember this one day years ago. I I was sitting at at a traffic light. It was a red light, and it was red for a long time. Like, I'm talking, like, not two minutes, not even three, but, like, I'm up near four or five minutes, and I'm, like, going through all these scenarios in my head. Like, if I run this red light, I know... There's gonna be a police officer that comes right around the corner as soon as I do. He won't believe my story. I'll end up in prison. I'll lose my wife and my kids and my house, and it's gonna be in the front page of the paper. And So I just stayed put, and I was so considering, I thought there's gotta be something broken with it. Finally, I looked over, into my right, as clear as day, I saw a sign that said, pull ahead to actuate the signal. Have you ever seen that? felt like such an idiot, but guess what, all I had to do, I was inches away, just the doing it would have made the difference if I would have just pulled up a few inches, and as soon as I did that, and I crossed the line, and I obeyed what the traffic sign told me, the light turned green, Some of us, I think, feel like we are stuck in our relationship and our calling with God, and we are wondering when we're ever going to get to make the next move, and we feel like God's plan for us is on hold. And you know what God is saying? Listen, don't wait on a move from me. I've made my move. I need you to move in obedience, and that will activate me to do exactly what I need to do in your life. God wants you to go on green. He wants you to make the move so that he can make his. We've got to do it right away, and doing it makes the difference. So here's the second one. This is a big one. God wants us to do it all the way. Do you ever think about God being an all the way kind of God? I mean, God didn't just make some dinky, dumpy place for us to live in. God made this vast, expansive universe that we could never begin to fully explore we can look in a telescope and kind of see what's happening we can send satellites and drones as far as we can as we can but we're never going to fully explore the universe that god created he did it all the way and then if you put it under a microscope there are millions and billions of things that make up this world that we would never be able to see with our naked eye. He did it all the way. And then you look at the complexity of our bodies and the intricacy of how our system works. God did it all the way. And then how about this? Jesus came to the earth, and he didn't just save us halfway. Jesus saved us all the way. He gave all of himself, laid it down so that we could have all of our life back to serve him. And I certainly wouldn't want to give God half of my obedience guess what if I have a halfway heart that means I'm going to reap a halfway harvest and I can't expect that if I give God half of myself that some doubt, somehow I'm going to walk in all of his will and there's this really amazing moment that happens in first Samuel chapter 15 verse 13 this is all centered around this king named Saul Saul was an incredible king he was the first king of Israel to that point they had judges that ruled over Israel And the Israelites begged God to give them a king. Saul, the Bible says, was pretty impressive to look at. He was a full head taller than all of the men in Israel. He looked the part. He looked like a king. But here's the best part. God looked at his heart, and he saw a pure heart. And he was a man that would obey God all the way. But comes to this point in his life where he starts to take shortcuts. He knows what God's saying. He knows what God's commanding. But he's not obeying all the way. He's obeying Half of the way. And so God commands him and Israel to destroy the Amalekite nation. The Amalekites were a wicked people opposing God. They denounced him as the one true God, and they were trying to destroy Israel. And so God commanded Saul to take them out. And so Saul was told, you do not spare anything. Don't spare any of the livestock. Don't don't take any of their riches for yourself. I don't want anybody to ever say that the Amalekite wealth made you a wealthy nation. I want you to be able to say it was by God's hand alone. And so he gave them these very clear and concise instructions. In 1 Samuel 15, 13 is where we pick up. It's Samuel confronting him when he's found out that he's disobeyed. Let's read this together. When Samuel reached him, Saul said, the Lord bless you, I have carried out all of the Lord's instructions. You ever convinced yourself that even though you've disobeyed, or even though you've only obeyed half the way, that you've actually carried out the Lord's instructions? You ever lied to yourself so much that you convinced yourself it's true? Guilty. First Samuel 15, 14, but Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears, and what is this lowing of cattle that I hear? In other words, Saul, I can't even hear you over your disobedience. There's cattle that are in the background and they're making all this noise and those were the very things that God told you to get rid of. And you read a little bit down in the verse and you you realize this, that Saul and his men kept everything that was appealing to them and they destroyed everything that wasn't. Isn't it sometimes easy to sacrifice almost everything that God's asking you except the things that you hold most precious and most dear, except the things that would benefit you and that would be to your advantage, it's exactly what Saul was doing. And you know what those sheep in the background are saying? Saul's saying, No, 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 I obeyed God. And those sheep in the background are saying, Saul, you're a bad boy. <laughs> the cows were saying, Move over because David's up. David's going to obey God. All right, that's enough. <laughs> Couldn't help myself. It was there for the taking. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Listen, partial obedience is disobedience. God wants us to obey all the way. You know, uh, my son Joey, he loves, to, he loves to do potty humor. I don't know where he gets it. Probably his mom, she's just, she's gross sometimes. It's weird. <laughs> but this one day, I overheard him saying this word, and I apologize, I have to kind of say it for the context, but a uh, very dirty word. Um, he, sa- he was saying, poop. And um, just kept saying poop. And, and so I, as a good dad, first I kind of laughed because I thought it was kind of funny. But then, then I took him aside and we had one of our talks and I said, Joey, I was like, you know, the Bible says we should only let good things come out of our mouth that edify the hearer, you know, and had this whole talk with him. I said, let's, let's cut that word out of our vocabulary. And he said, sure, dad. And so not 30 seconds go by. I go into the other room and all of a sudden I hear the word again. I said, maybe I wasn't as clear as I thought I was, and I, I took him aside, and I said, Joey, why are you saying that word? And he said, Daddy, I'm not saying that word. I'm saying dupe. And I said, but Joey, that's, that sounds just like the word. And he said, but it's not the word. <laughs> and so we had a little talk about obeying all the way. You ever done that with God? God, I'm not doing what you told me not to do, but I'm not not doing what you told me not to do. I think we can deceive ourselves very easily. First Samuel 15, 20. And here's what Saul said. But I did obey the Lord. Picture Joey. Saul said, I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag, their king. Isn't it interesting that in that one sentence he contradicts himself. I completely obeyed the Lord, but I spared their king. The exact opposite of what God told them to do. And then he said, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best of what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord, your God at Gilgal. Sometimes we can take our sin and put it to work for us. And we can start to say, God, I know I didn't do what you told me to do, but here's the offering. I'm giving it to you anyways. Does that remind you of another story in Genesis? Remember Cain and Abel? Remember Abel brought the acceptable sacrifice, and Cain brought a sacrifice, but it wasn't the one that God was asking. Sometimes we bring God everything except what he's asking for. God wants us to obey him all the way. And here's how this story ends, 1 Samuel 15, 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. God wants us to obey all the way. You know, this year, I'm just really asking God, how can I go all the way in my relationship with you? You know, I've just been praying some all-the-way prayers lately. One of the prayers that I've been praying to God, this is so painful it kind of hurts when I pray it, but I've just been praying, God, help me go the distance I don't want to be in ministry for another decade. I want to be in ministry till the day that you come back or until I'm 90 or 100 years old. I want to honor you all the days of my life. I don't want to be an embarrassing story in the headlines on a newspaper. I want to honor you in every corner and crevice of my life. I've been praying, God, would you expose any sin in my heart that would stop me down the road from doing what you've called me to do? Talk about a dangerous prayer to pray. But you know what? When I started praying those all-the-way prayers, I started seeing God all the way moving my life. It's been so cool to watch that. Now, here's the final one. The final way that God wants us to have a Nike New Year is to do it anyway, to do it anyway. I don't know about you, but I have some moments every day of my life where I could talk myself out of what God's called me into. It's really easy to convince myself that today is the day I really don't think it counts. Because, God, you don't understand. This person said this to me. This person did this to me. I would really love to do it today. I'd love to forgive them today. I'd love to walk in love today. I'd love to tell them about Jesus today. But, God, today is just not the right day for me. And God is saying, do it anyway. Now, I heard in a TED Talk, and I thought this was so powerful, that you can actually make your body and your system get happy whether you want it to or not. They did this experiment, and they were talking about it in a TED Talk life hack. And they said, if you place a pen in your mouth, that because it's making your muscles in your face smile, that it actually releases the endorphins and the chemicals in your body that make you happy. Did you know that? Sometimes I think we have convinced ourselves that I have to feel it if I'm going to do it, And in the kingdom of God, it's actually just the opposite. We have to do it, and then the feelings will follow. God is telling every one of us, do it anyway. You ever thought about this? Jesus did it anyway. Philippians 2.7, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death. You know, obedience is always gonna require humility. And I love this last part, even death on a cross. You know, Jesus' act of obedience to the rest of the world, it looked like the end of Jesus. But can you think about it this way? Obedience might look like the end of something in your life, but it's actually the beginning of something far better. And every time that we make a decision to do it anyway, that releases God to do more than we ever thought he could. When I was in high school, this is, uh, you know, man. 2000, the year 2000, 2002, it's a while ago. I was in high school and I was so excited about reaching the people in my school for God. Man, I wanted to do it and I I just had this passion. We had such an incredible student ministry and I would just get fired up because I knew there were people in my school that didn't know Jesus and if they were to die, God forbid, they, they would not be in heaven with, with God, and I wanted to do anything I could, and I, I remember I would do some crazy things, like we had a statistics class, and we had this assignment where we had to do surveys, and then present the information from our statistics, and so I got this bright idea that I would do a statistics survey about where you thought you would go in the afterlife, and so I Pulled a bunch of people, and then I got all the information together. And in my trig class, my statistic class, I gave an altar call to my entire class to tell them about Jesus. That's just the kind of guy that I was. I was a little bit crazy for Jesus, and I'd rather be erring on that side than the other one. And what was so cool is my teacher was a follower of Jesus. I had no clue, and she came up and told me thank you so much. And so in my school, I was marked as the crazy Christian kid. Okay, just want you to get that in your head. Is who I was. And so I went to this biology class and. I was sitting in front of these two guys. One of them, his name was Dustin. They were really nice guys, but they did not believe in what I believed in. They did not believe there was a God. They were really into drugs, and so I tried my best to show them Jesus' love, and from time to time, I would talk to them about Jesus, and they would make fun of me, and it wasn't malicious, but they would have fun with me. They didn't agree with me. They thought I was crazy, and I just made it my goal that every day, even if I knew they were gonna make fun of me in front of the whole class, I was gonna do it anyway. And I remember praying for Dustin. I just remember, God, I, I just asked him, God, can you just move in Dustin's heart? Because I don't think anything that I can say in and of itself is going to convince him of anything, but I know you can change someone's heart. And so the year went by and nothing happened. I just prayed about it and I moved on. And I didn't even have any classes with him the next year. And I'm walking down the hallway, not on my mind, and all of a sudden I hear, hey, Joe. I turn around and wouldn't you know it's Dustin. I thought he was just going to say Hi he comes up to me and he says, hey, like, this last weekend, I, um, I don't know what to call it, but I got, like, rebirthed. I, um, I was like, did you give your life to Jesus? And he's like, yeah. I I was like, am I being punked right now? Like, where's the cameras? And I started to talk to him, and God had changed his heart, and I was a little bit bummed that I didn't get to seal the deal, but I was so excited. I was so excited, man, that God used the do-it-anyway moments to speak to his life. And he, he said, Joe, wow, like, what Bible do I read? I, I, don't, I don't understand it. Can you explain it to me? And it began this process and this journey. Can I tell you something? There's no amount of persecution or anything one person could have said that would make me not celebrate what I did because I'm so thankful that now he's headed into the kingdom of light. He's heading to spend eternity with God in a place called heaven. And it reminded me of this scripture, Acts 5.27. This is Peter and the disciples and they're, they're trying to shut them down because they're proclaiming the name of Jesus. And here's what it says. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in his name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Verse 29, I love this. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. Some of us, if we're honest, love our reputation a little bit more than we love God. We're terrified of the idea of what people would think of us. And can I just tell you something? God, when you take a step and you say, I'm going to do it anyway, God honors that. I heard this quote, and I thought it was so powerful. Maturity is just obedience in the same direction. You know when you're really starting to gain some traction with God? When you're really starting to grow and move on from your kitty plate To the big stuff, move on to great things, it's when every day, day after day, you say, I do. And I will do it right away. And I will do it all the way. And I'll do it anyway. And so as we close this morning, I want to just ask you, what's God asking you to do in this Nike New Year? I don't know what it is, but I'll give you a couple of ideas. You know, the Bible talks about there being a few things in this world that can only be changed or broken through fasting and prayer. Jesus actually talked about that. This is not a time of the year that my flesh gets particularly excited about, the BC fast, but can I tell you something? This is the time of the year where we give God the most to work with, and you know what? If you're a beginner and you've never fasted before, or maybe the most you fasted was because you had to have like a scan in the morning, can I just tell you that This is not a spiritual notch on your belt. This is not to deprive yourself and suffer for Jesus. This is to take out something that takes a lot of our time and replace it with moments with God where we pray and ask him to move in our life. And so we're gonna have this BC fast. It starts this Wednesday. We're not gonna even do three consecutive days. We're doing three days each Wednesday, the first three Wednesdays of the month. And since it's only three days, we're asking not to just fast media, that's great, not to just fast sweets, but... To fast food. Not fast food, not fast food, but to fast food. And, and so just water. And all day long, as you're hungry and you're thinking about it, that you would be praying. And we're calling it fasting with a focus for this reason. Each week, we're gonna teach a little mini message. This week, it's Pastor Joe this Wednesday, and he's gonna talk about fasting with a focus on your family. And then we're going to have a powerful time of worship and prayer. And we are going to release God to move in our families. And if you have people that are far from God like Dustin and you think they are hopeless, these are the moments where those things break loose. And God, we get his attention as we fast. Uh, The next week, we're going to talk about fasting with a focus on your finances. Pastor Graham is going to lead that. The week after that, Pastor Gina is going to lead fasting with a focus on freedom. Maybe it's a freedom from an addiction or a freedom from a way of thinking or a behavior that you're not proud of, whatever it might be, it might be freedom for others in your life. We're gonna believe God to move and do something incredible. Can I, can I ask you to commit to that right now? To just do it? just to move heaven and earth to be here. It's every Wednesday at 7 p.m., three Wednesdays in a row. The final Wednesday, we're all gonna gather together as a church, and we are gonna have a massive night of worship. The Paramount students are gonna be in here. It's gonna be like a crazy concert, but we're gonna be worshiping God. Daniel Eric Groves, one of the best worship leaders out there, is gonna be here to lead us. It's gonna be incredible. This could be a month, Believer's Church, that accelerates us into something incredible. You think 1,300 people was awesome to see coming into the kingdom of God? What if we had 3,000 this year? Like, what if we just blew the lid off of what we thought God was capable of doing? Some of you, God's asking you to go all the way in your finances. And you sat through the 210 series, and there were a lot of reasons why you thought, I can't do this. Can I just tell you something? If you go all the way with God, he'll go all the way with you. There's a pledge card out there. I I would highly encourage you. I, I would beg you to go out there and grab one on the way home and pray over it. And during the fast, ask God, what is it that I can sacrifice? Because it might seem like a small sacrifice to you. It might be your your recreational money. It might be your cable money. It might just be this small sacrifice. But God sees that as a big deal when we surrender our lives to him fully and completely. And can I just tell you something? Whatever you think you're giving up, it's going to pale in comparison to what God gets to you as you obey him. Maybe it's a relationship that you need to cut out of your life. I don't know what it is, but can I just ask you, will you do it right away? And will you do it all the way? And will you even do it anyway? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. It gets me so excited to know that I can speak with my friends and my family here at this church who are hungry for God. And we're not satisfied with what God did yesterday or even last year. We want a Nike New Year. We want to see things from a different perspective. We want to be all in. I think it's fitting in this moment if each of us, the ones who feel like, man, Joe, my year was great and I really grew and some of us who this is our first time back or maybe your first time ever to be in a church that talks about something like this, that all of us together would have a fresh recommitment to God. If you mean that with all of your heart, I just want to ask you to repeat after me. Let's pray a prayer of dedication, commitment to God. Let's pray this together. Say, dear God, thank you. For what you gave me through Jesus. You went all the way. You came right away. You loved me right where I was. And so right now, right where I am, I commit to obey, and I thank you that as I do, no matter what, that good things are coming, and I'll do it through thick and through thin, with everything I have. Open up my eyes to who I am and what you've called me to do. In Jesus' name. Now, I'm gonna ask everyone to just keep your heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another moment. You know, if you came here today, and this is all new to you, maybe you grew up in church and you've heard about Jesus, but you've never made it personal. You never made it real with Jesus. You could not say you have a personal relationship with him. Maybe you've never once heard any of this. This is what we call the good news, that God saw us in our state of sin, that we were far from him and separated from him, and he loved us enough to send his only son, Jesus, who lived a perfect life because he knew we couldn't, died on a cross so we wouldn't have to, and then he raised to life again three days after. And now he says if we believe in him, we can have life forever with him. And not only that, but he doesn't want to just give you an eternity with him in a place called heaven. He wants to know you in the here and now, and he wants to change your life and turn it around right now. And Jesus made it pretty simple. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other way. And what Paul said in Romans 10, 9, and 10 is if we believe in our heart, we say with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved We gain an eternity with him in a place called heaven. What are we saved from? An eternity separated from him in a place called hell. God loves you that much. I want to give you an opportunity, if you've never prayed that prayer, to do that for the first time. A miracle will take place in your heart. Everyone who's done it already, they're going to help us. Can you just repeat this after me? Meet it from your heart. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the free gift of salvation on the cross. That when he saw me, at my worst, he loved me still, enough to die for me, and I'll live for him. I give you my life, I won't be perfect, I'll make some mistakes, but I'll get up every time. I give you my life, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the BC Podcast.